you are not responsible for how the other person walks in love. Mm. So you're only responsible for you. You can say, I'm sorry. You can make it right. You can restore whatever. You're not responsible for the way that respond to you. Hey there, I'm Allison Sue Elliott. Over the years, I've worn a lot of hats in my life, from business school graduate and the wife of a naval officer, to homesteader, homemaker, and accidental sheep mom. Now I spend my time studying to become an East Asian medical doctor, while also having conversations to help you figure out what it looks like to navigate life with wisdom, wellness, and purpose. From the foods you eat, to the relationships you have, and everything in between. It all affects how you show up in life. So let's make sure you're able to show up for the life you know you were meant to live. Welcome to the From Within Podcast. Hey, welcome to part two of the conversation about overcoming obstacles that keep you from your purpose with Michael Collins, who also happens to be my dad. Uh, So if you don't know, my dad is my go-to person for so many things, but especially for deep thinking conversations about life and wisdom, basically all the things we love to talk about around here. I probably got it from him, so unsurprisingly, this conversation was so full of goodness that we broke it up into two parts. Now, if you missed part one, I highly recommend going back and listening to it first. Between these two episodes, we are talking about the three things that stop you from being able to fulfill your purpose, and those things are low self-esteem, unforgiveness towards yourself and others, and heart intentions. Part one was all about overcoming low self-esteem, and we talked about some things I have never considered. I've never heard anybody else explain in the way that um, we broke it down last week. So definitely check that out. And today we're continuing this conversation with unforgiveness and heart intentions, and it probably is not at all what you are expecting it to be. So let's dive in. So you were just talking about how you sat down and you wrote out a whole sheet of things and that a lot of it had to do with unforgiveness and regrets. And so I was thinking about how much unforgiveness really does hold us back from being able to step into the things that God has called us to, partially because that is a heart thing, which we'll talk about also in a minute. But when it comes to the unforgiveness, I really like how you said it's not just unforgiveness towards other people, because I always think about unforgiveness as being unforgiveness towards other people. But you talked about having to forgive yourself for a lot of things as well. And on that very interesting, can you just like talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, now, you know, I, every, all of us are different. And I'm probably, uh, because of my personality profiles, the layers of it, and I'm, 
you know, the way I interact with people <clears throat> is much easier for me to forgive other people. And back when I went through that, I actually was not harboring unforgiveness towards others. It was towards me. It was me being upset at myself for the things I had failed to do. Now, like just, just yesterday we were eating at a restaurant and I ordered fish and your mom and I were talking and <clears throat> I wasn't paying attention to my food. And at some point I looked down and at the fattest part of the fish, I saw that it was raw. It hadn't been cooked all the way. Well, I got food poisoning from that. And of course I'm apologizing to the server that I had to send the food back and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, you know, some people, they, they will always forgive others, be very obl obligatory towards other people. But if they're like me, they'll hold, things against themselves that other people might look at and go, you had no control over that, right? Why are you upset with yourself? Why are you, you know, why are you having a problem with that? Each of us is a little different. So for me, I had to forgive myself, uh, forgiving other people. Um, I don't want to say it was natural, but it's always been much easier. And then once I got saved, saved and really serving God, it, it was just so easy. And even once at the church, I remember there was a woman that came to me and she said, Pastor Michael, I have to apologize to you. You know, I did this, I did that, you know, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She said like six months ago. I was like, oh, I said, that's just the water's off, water off a duck's back. I said, I forgot about that. Didn't even give it a second thought, you know. Um, one of the key phrases that I had to learn that helped me was this. If someone did something that hurt me is... I just had to ask myself, did they do it on purpose? You know, that's that's a big one. Did they do it on purpose? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. But uh, we all we all just need to learn to ask ourselves that question. Did they learn it? Did, did they do it on purpose? Um, if not, we move on. If yes, we create boundaries. I agree with that. I actually, a few years ago, this is something that I really had to start dealing with in myself a few years ago because... For me, I will say I actually have an easier time forgiving myself than I do other people. I'm sure there's a lot of other people like that as well. But for me, it started to change when I realized that most people have good intentions, but bad methods. Because yes. I thought about how often I would approach something and I had good intentions. Like I didn't harbor any ill will towards someone and I wasn't purposefully trying to hurt them but then I would a couple of years would go by and I would look back and be like you know I didn't handle that with the most wisdom if I had had more wisdom I would have handled it differently and so just realizing that I I never approach someone spitefully or you know trying to hurt mm -hmm. them but the amount of times that I've approached someone and not handled something well. And so I just thought, man, how many other times has someone approached me and I know that they love me or I know that they mean well and they just don't handle it in the best way. And sometimes that's a personality difference because, you know, their personality differs. And I've learned that a lot too, especially being married is that I'll say something sometimes and like growing up in, in our family, it meant one thing and maybe in Josh's family, it meant something different. Yes. And so we it's have just culture. to, 
Yeah, we we learned that we have to yeah. say like, okay, when you said this, this is what I heard. What did you actually mean by that? And so through that over the years, I've realized, like you were saying, most people have good intentions. They just have bad methods. And when I learned that, that is what really helped me um, walk in forgiveness towards mm-hmm. other people and um and I would say even myself, but especially towards other people. Whereas before, I just simply thought that they were super toxic, which I think is mm-hmm. a popular conversation right now. And you have um, like a really interesting, helpful phrase or, or quote for that. Is it the one about uh, wokeness has made unforgiveness a virtue? Yeah. That one? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so the things that were virtues are no longer virtues. And, and but the things that were evil, uh, those are the things now that we're supposed to focus on in, in our society. Absolutely destroying relationships. So I have what five books I've written that I haven't published yet. I've got to publish them this year. But uh, two of them are just about leadership. And so mm-hmm. my definition of leadership that I use is one that I got straight from the Lord. I mean, I was in the back of the church one day working, doing some cleaning, and I had been listening a little to uh, John Maxwell. uh, Oh, I'm going to forget names now. And I was listening to them talk about their definitions of leadership. John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. It's just simply influence. Mm -hmm. But the way the Lord spoke to me, it fit me. It fit my personality. And he said, leadership is understanding how to properly manage relationships. And the truth is you can never manage a relationship through unforgiveness. You will always Mm -hmm. destroy that relationship. So people are not the enemy. The Bible says that Satan, he is the enemy. And he uses people to do things that hurt other people. Uh, we have learned attribute uh, character attributes that we or personality attributes that we we've picked up from Satan from the sin nature, and that's how we hurt people. But um, there's there's no such thing as justified unforgiveness. A lot of married mm-hmm. couples they'll say, "Well, he did this and he hurt me," and he always and I say, "Well, look if you're if you're both believers and you say that you are full of agape love and you both say that you're following the will for God." for the will of God for your life, and you're really walking in love, you'll never get a divorce. And then I tell him, and plus, if you say that you forgave him the way that Christ forgave you, then does Jesus, when you go back and repent, of you fall back into a sin, does Jesus ever to say to you, oh no, because you always do that. But see, that's what we do to people. So we say we're forgiving them, but forgiveness without an element of forgetfulness is not really forgiveness. Now, if someone hurts you on purpose, you forgive them, but you have to create barriers. So, you know, uh, if someone was stealing money and I found out that they had been stealing money, the barrier at the church I create or that boundary is that they cannot be an usher. They can't be in the count room. They can't handle money. Mm-hmm. It's just it's that simple. So in your own life, you have to have boundaries that you create um, that keep people from being serial abusers uh, of you. But, you know, so unforgiveness, if you hold unforgiveness, what you're doing is you're opening the door for the enemy to come and torture you, not torture the other person, right? Jesus said Satan has come for one reason, 
and that's to destroy you, to, to kill you, to steal from you. And I don't know of anything that steals from you as much as unforgiveness does. And and so managing relationships properly, that's when you know you're becoming a great leader that you're developing in that area. And the first relationship you have to manage is the one with God. Second one is the one with your neighbor. Third is with yourself. And probably I would put myself in front of my neighbor because I can't love them and forgive them adequately if I'm holding unforgiveness towards me. Yeah, that makes sense. They've actually done studies about this. Um, I think Brene Brown talks about this a lot. And she said that they've discovered that you cannot love someone else more than you love yourself. And so like that saying, or people will say like, yeah. I love my children more than I love myself. And she said, it's actually not possible that until hmm. you learn to love yourself, you will never be able to love somebody else to a greater capacity than you love your than you love yourself. And so I think that there is an important part of self-love, but I would almost say that's more about like self-forgiveness. Um because love and forgiveness go hand in hand and you can't love somebody else more or I think that the amount that you're able to love them is directly proportional to the amount that you're able to forgive them. Oh, absolutely. And that would probably be true for yourself as well. And so mm-hmm. I am um, just thinking, of, uh, going off of what you were saying, you know, I, I kind of have had to go through this. I imagine everybody does as they get into their 20s and, and their 30s. But I found that for me, I had some situations come up in my mid-20s where it was really hard to forgive. and. I really felt like other people were very toxic in certain situations. And so I did kind of have to realize at some point, like there's that saying, like, forgive and forget. And I had to realize that really it should just be forgive and move on. Like you're saying, like, you have to forgive them. You have to put those boundaries there so they can't continually do these things. But you have to move on from the unforgiveness. You have to, like, learn to manage that relationship in a way where nobody's harming each other through unforgiveness because I think unforgiveness really does more harm to you than it does to the person that you're not forgiving. Like I remember very, very clearly that I had one situation where I was walking and someone had done something and I, I just almost despised them for it. And I felt that physically in my heart. And I remember that moment and I was like, I've never experienced this. I have to change this. I have to um, let this go because I can feel that it is physically hurting me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is In our church, one of the phrases we've used in the past, and and by the way, they're they're building a new house over here in the woods. And so Mm -hmm. you might be able to hear some of that this morning. Uh, but but one of the phrases we've used at our church is to love on purpose. Mm-hmm. You have to agape people on purpose many times. They, they force you to do it. Um, but there, there's a professor at uh, Fuller Theological Seminary out in California, Louis B. Smeeds. I, I don't know if it's Smeeds or Smeedies, but anyway, you can look it up. And he's the one, and it's a famous quote, he says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner is you. 
<laughs> so, mm, you know, wow. it's, it's like, you don't, you, you think you're looking at other people and, you know, well, they did this and they did that. And really all you're doing when you're looking at them and accusing them is you're looking in a mirror at yourself that, that what you're accusing them of, you're now, it's, it's now become poison inside of you. The reflection of that is in you just creating toxins that then comes out to other and, and hurts other people. It's kind of interesting because, you know, going through school to get um, my doctor in East Asian medicine, one mm-hmm. of the things that's very different, and this medicine is based on like 2000 years of research, right? So they didn't have all the technology that we have, but it's a lot of trial and error. And just, it's essentially 2000 years of case studies and research. And in traditional Chinese medicine, they actually believe, they teach that um, a different emotion is connected to a different organ. Oh. And so um, like super angry people, um, they'll actually be able to look and tell that like you can see that it affects their liver. Um, and That's the interesting. emotions that affect the heart. And then there's like different tastes that are associated with each organ as well. And so this is really fascinating because um, bitter is associated with the heart. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So you were saying that like when you said, you know, those emotions, hmm. those toxins build up inside of you, according to Chinese medicine, it is literally releasing toxins to have these negative, to hold on yeah. to these negative emotions and that these emotions literally affect um, different organs in your body, which is just a really fascinating way to to think about it. No, I, I think scripture backs that up. It says, you know, uh, you know, the, the words of a gossip, like choice morsels that go down to the inward parts of your being or down to your heart. Um, mm. you know, I, have a, I have another saying I've used is that the poison of unforgiveness damages the vessel, right? So like right now, I didn't have any tea this morning. I grabbed a can of Stevie of Zevia creamy root beer. Um, but you know, if I put poison in here and I could pour it all out, but if I refilled it, which I need not refill cans, but I, if I wanted to, um, the poison would taint the, the can, you know, and we, we somehow think we can hold something that scripture tells us is poison that science tells us is poison. We think somehow we can hold it in ourselves and it doesn't damage us. And that's just arrogance. You know, again, forgiveness doesn't make them right. And I think I've heard people, I can't forgive them. Well, why not? And, and there's various reasons. I, You know, the one or two times I really had a hard time forgiving someone, it was odd. It wasn't because I felt hurt. It was because I felt jealous. Hmm. They had something. They They were doing something I wanted to do. I wasn't able to do it, so I acted in a way that was unforgiving. But when I realized it was jealousy, I was like, oh, that's even worse. (laughs) But that's a stupid reason. They didn't even hurt me. I'm hurting myself over a missed opportunity, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, So as humans, we can be quite stupid, right? Yeah. Quite foolish. So there's just, I think that probably goes back to personality. So every personality is probably going to have to approach this slightly differently and and Absolutely. just be super self-aware. I believe that all growth 
Yeah. And the self-awareness is the foundation of all personal growth. And this is going to be one of those things. But, you know, so some people, they'll have a harder time forgiving themselves and other people, it'll be a harder time forgiving others. And the reasons behind it will be different. Maybe it is because someone really did do something that hurt you. And maybe it's because you're jealous. But my question would be this. If somebody was hearing this and they were like, you know, I'm now realizing I have a lot of unforgiveness. Where would you advise starting, especially if they're that person that says, like, I've held on to this for so long? Like, how do you how would you go about starting that journey? It's going to be it could be a long journey, but the heart intention is just to if your heart intention is just to start it. Like, that's a really good starting place. That's progress. Oh, yeah. But where would you start for someone who is just feeling, realizing that they feel so bitter and so hard-hearted towards something or someone? Yeah, well, I think the the first step in yielding our will to what is right, to what God wants, the first step, I think, is one we don't talk about very much because it's kind of a it's kind of a nuanced thing and it's kind of, ah, you know, but it's mm-hmm. actually being willing to be willing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's the will of God. Okay. I've yielded. But before we get to the willing part, sometimes, because sometimes we, we come, we get smacked in the face so hard where there's an instant change. It's like, Oh yeah, I've got to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's other times when we're, growing out of or trying to pull ourselves out of the the funk of unforgiveness and anger, bitterness. You've just got to be willing to be willing. And you know, you pray, say, Lord, I it hurts. I'm broken. I know they're broken. And so maybe part of it comes from being a little bit more empathetic, going, I know that yeah, you know, they didn't mean to do it or they 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 meant to do it, but if they would have known the way it was going to make me feel, you know, they wouldn't have done it. There might be an element of something like that in there, but the first step is probably being willing to be willing. And so that's when a person goes, like you said, okay, this is bad. I've Mm -hmm. got to change. How do I change? Right. And so then the first thing you, you have to do is you have to empty your heart. And I just, just be honest with God. Um, Number one, he knows. So we're not hiding anything. Nothing is a surprise to him. Right. Um, Yeah. And so I just, I, whenever I need to go to do it, I just go through and I said, Father, this is the way it made me feel, right? So feelings and emotions, uh, I mean, feelings are never reality. They're just not. Oh, it made me happy. They got me a, pri- a, a, a toy. Yeah, made you happy. But there's so many times our feelings, what we're feeling, the way someone made us feel is totally not based in reality. And people make life decisions based on feelings that have nothing to do with what really happened. Um, and so I don't feel like forgiving them or I feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like they're like they're sorry. First of all, they don't have to be sorry for you to forgive them. Mm-hmm. You can love people from 3,000 miles away and forgive them from 3,000 miles away. They don't have to be involved in your life. You don't have to see them every day. And I often jokingly say that's why we move so far from we left Texas and came to Maryland. It's easier to left family from, you know, 1800 miles or whatever it is. But um, so first step is just be willing to be willing. And then, and then you've got to start walking down that path. I would say just, 
you know, look up some Bible stories. Um, if you don't know Bible stories, just go to chat GPT and type in and go, Hey, I need you to act like a psychiatrist, psychologist, family counselor. This is the experience we had. Are there any good Bible stories that would fit and help me grow out of my problem or out of this problem of unforgiveness? And ChatGPT is is pretty good. It will give you a set of, of thoughts, a set of ideas that will help you. Hey, did you know that the average woman puts 4.6 pounds of chemicals on her body a year? That's roughly 516 chemicals per day from the 12 different self-care and makeup products in her beauty routine. Did you also know that many of those chemicals are known carcinogens that result in lymphatic and endocrine disruptions, causing fatigue, fertility problems, and even cancer? You're probably thinking the same thing I did when I learned all this, that surely the powers that be wouldn't allow these chemicals into our products, but shockingly, the FDA has only banned 11 ingredients in the U.S., while the EU has banned over 1,300 products. What does this mean for you and me? It means we need to take responsibility for our health by choosing personal care products that are non-toxic and verified safe. It's why I started using Crunchy Skincare and Cosmetics. They are a high-performing, non-toxic beauty company that refuses to compromise on ingredients. I've been using them for a while now, and I have never felt better or more confident in my skin and makeup. But I know how overwhelming switching your cosmetics over can feel. So I created a clean beauty quiz just for you to help you figure out your best skincare and or makeup routine so that you can feel confident in your skin too. Just head to alisonsueelliott.com forward slash clean beauty quiz to discover your ideal clean beauty routine and get in the know on current discounts you can snag when ordering. That's alisonsueelliott.com forward slash clean beauty quiz or find the link in the show notes. A lot of people think that they need to talk stuff out, but if you, the danger is talking to someone that doesn't need to know, right? Mm, that's when um, it becomes gossip. Yes. Or it'll create a problem with them with the other person. So like you go to a third party who sort of knows the other person. Let me tell you what they did to me. I'm having our time. You don't want them to take up your offense because that's just as much sin as you holding it. Um, but really the person you've got to get when you, when you're walking in forgiveness, the number one relationship for a conversation is God. You've got to get good at just talking to him and going, it made me feel like this. And then say, I know that's wrong, but sometimes it feels good to feel like that. Or just tell him what's in your heart. That's called pouring your heart out. And you say, no, father, I know that your word says that we are tempted and we, and when we sin, when we're drawn away by our own evil desires, and I don't want this desire anymore. Mm -hmm. I put this on the altar. I'm a living sacrifice, right? Romans says we're living sacrifices or present yourself. I'm a living sacrifice. 
I put all of this evil stuff in my heart on the altar. And right now I can't see what's even good about it. And I'm sure that you're going to bring good out of it. But Father, I need your help. Well, that's how I pray. And, and when it comes to things that are really, really difficult, I always pray that way. It always works because he always promises that he listens to us when we pray according to his will. So I would get really good at pouring my heart out to God. I wouldn't pour my heart out to my mom, my girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it is that you've got. They're not helping you get out of the situation you're in, but you've got to convince yourself that God hears you when you pray and you can pour your heart out to him and get yourself empty. Get all that junk out, get it empty, and then say, Father, I ask you to put back in my heart only the things you want there. And that's how you pray. And that kind of goes along, you know, hand in hand with the heart intentions part, which is another thing, the heart motivation that kind of keeps you from being able to fulfill what it is that God's calling you to. And this was something that um, I really, so the, for me, it was like the moment I really understood this was that I had a situation where I was dealing with some unforgiveness towards a, a group of people. And I thought I had worked through it. It had been like years and I thought I'd worked through it. I thought I worked through it. And one day I just really felt like the Lord was like, I, I have this place that I want to take you. But in order for me to take you there, I need you to deal with this first. Mm. And he kind of said like, you're going to need to apologize. And you have this saying where it's like, you only apologize. There's only two situations in which you apologize. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you're right when and your when you're fault. wrong. Oh, yeah. No, I, no I, the way I say it, there's, there's only two times you ever apologize, when it's your fault and when it's not your fault, <laughs> right? Because the re- restoration of the relationship is more important than me being right. Mm, yeah. Um, this is a hard one for people to swallow. Forgiving people, for, for a lot of people I know, it's, it's based on if I forgive them, then I'm wrong. And mm. the petty, but the pettiness of being right is not important. The the sole goal of being right with God and right with other people. That's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the uh, Old Testament period, the, the or the the temple period of, of worship, well, the tabernacle, then the temple for the Jewish people. Uh, Moses instituted sin offerings and trespass offerings, and so sin offerings is that's making me right with God. And trespass offerings was is covering over what I did to other people, right? But Scripture tells us that that love is what covers a multitude of sin. And so, if I got, and it's not just any kind of love; it's not brotherly love or family love or erotic love. It's the God kind of love that's omnipotent, omniscient. It's beneficial. It's giving. It's forgiving. It's never ending. I mean, it just goes on and on. So that kind of love covers a multitude of sin, right? So a an unholy mixture of, well, I'm going to love you, but I'm but I'm always going to remember and I'm always going to remind you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a dangerous thing. And so you were talking about heart motives. Um, I think it's uh Proverbs eleven three says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So it's talking about duplicity of heart, of intention, 
where and, and now Harvard came up with a, a years ago in a study of of people trying to maintain two thoughts at once. They came up with a a, a, a descriptive term, cognitive dissonance, where it's impossible to hold two thoughts at the same time or two opposing positions at the same time. So for a believer to say, I walk in love, I am full of the love of God. God has shed the, the Holy Spirit has shed the agape love of God abroad in my heart, but I'm not going to love you. So that's a dissonance. And what that means is, um, I think it's James that said, you can't be double-minded. Mm-hmm. That a person that's double-minded should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so the double-mindedness of an ulterior motive of, well, I'm going to forgive you only if, right? Or people that are real super tit for tat. They did this. I'm going to do this. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. I'm always going to remember that. You know, our heart motive, am I I trying to get them back? Do, Do I need to be vindicated? Do I need to be the one? I mean, Scripture says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. You know, but on the... One one of the scriptures I I don't know why it it brings me such comfort. It's it's one of those you know you could have one of those odd things like when I first met your mom she said her favorite movie was Rambo. To this day she doesn't remember why, but it, it's not her favorite movie anymore. But that was kind of like hey, your favorite movie be Rambo. I was like she's a tough woman, but uh, you know some things you'll just like it or you know it'll mean something. There's a scripture that means a lot to me, but when I read it when I think about it. And it's in uh, John chapter one, and Jesus is choosing his disciples, and he finds Nathaniel, and uh, I guess Nathaniel found Jesus. And he was walking to him, and Jesus says about him, he says, "Behold, an Israelite indeed." Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like this is the Israelite of Israelites, but he says, "In whom is no guile." Some of the other translations, I think the Amplified, calls it uh, duplicity. That. Nathaniel is an is a is an exemplary Israelite because in his heart there's no duplicity. There's none of this cognitive dissonance that he's he's an Israelite. So that'd be like us saying, I'm just a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I, I love Jesus. And so because of that, I don't hold any ulterior motives. I don't I don't need you to do anything for me to forgive you. I don't need me to feel a certain way. I don't need anyone to coax me into a certain mood of forgiveness. I just forgive without any other motive, right? I don't I'm I don't have an extra motive that's trying to get anything out of you. We would call up your heart. I think so. I mean David says, you know, restore uh oh how's oh, there's so many different translations. Renew in me a clean heart, oh God. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think so. I think that we just want to be clean before God. Yeah. You know, he says he says three things. He says the scripture says, "Be pure because He is pure. Be holy because He is holy. Be actually four things: be just because He is just, and be righteous because He is righteous." <clears throat> it doesn't say we're doing any of those things to get something, and so that that would be the duplicity of it. Right. So a pure heart is. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be pure and unholy and just and righteous. I'm going to live this way. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm doing it because that's who he is. And I'm his image on the earth. I'm an imager of God, right? So, yeah, definitely, you know, a pure heart. I have no other motive. In fact, I can't 
act righteous enough to be made righteous, right? So it's my faith in the blood of Jesus, in his grace, is what makes me righteous. It's nothing I can do. So that automatically removes the need for ulterior motives. That kind of, so that kind of brings me back to the story that I was telling, which is that I had had this like group of people that I had Mm -hmm. been walking in unforgiveness towards, which I thought that I had forgiven them, but then the Lord was dealing with me and he was kind of like, I need you to go and, and make sure, you know, get right with them, which also kind of reminded me of what you were saying about like writing it all down on the legal pad. And you had a few people that you had to go talk to. And I, uh, I didn't do it. I didn't feel like he was asking me to do it right away, but he was kind of like preparing me for like, this is coming. You need to be prepared for this. And so I spent a few weeks just like preparing myself. And obviously the fact that I needed a few weeks to prepare myself to apologize meant that uh, I did have something going on. I just didn't realize it, but I wrote out this long text just about, you know, being sorry if I had hurt anybody and, just all these things that I'd spent so yeah. much time thinking about. And I sent it out in a group text and um, nobody ever responded. <laughs> and people, and the, so the, that the truth moment. is people don't know how to deal with conflict. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and, and, and so, to me, it was people who was very, who were very like confrontational and, uh, And so, but in that moment, I had to ask myself, was I expecting to be forgiven? Like, was I only doing this with the expectation that I would receive back the same thing? And so it was another opportunity for for me. It was, I don't say it was a test from the Lord, but it was almost just like, in that moment, I was like, Am I really walking in forgiveness if I hold this against any of them? Or can I just send it out and say, I have done what the Lord has asked me to do. And the outcome of it is not my responsibility. And to just let that go. Another saying I've used and I've I've taught for decades. And this is one of those things, actually, that I did not. It's a quote I did not get from someone else. I was preaching one day and it just popped in my head and I was like, Lord, you're pretty smart, you know? (laughs) Um, But it's this and it's powerful. It'll help you is that you are not responsible for how the other person walks in love. Mm. So you're only responsible for you. You can say, I'm sorry. You can make it right. You can restore whatever. You're not responsible for the way that respond to you. So, um, some people just have a really hard time with authentic, with authenticity. And you, in that text or that message, you were being genuine and authentic and transparent. And confrontational people are often very, they have a very hard time with transparency. But there's a quote by, uh, oh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Lance, his last name is Hart, I think it's French, Sacreton something like that, secretin or secreton. And he says, authenticity is the alignment of head, mouth, heart, and feet. (laughs) Thinking, saying, feeling, and doing the same thing consistently. 
Mm. Right? This builds trust and followers. That's the good, that's the good part of it. And uh, and followers love leaders they can trust. That's that's the I was trying to remember. So they love leaders they can trust. I think Craig Groeschel talks a little, he uses part of that, that last part, I think. But the way we show we're leaders, <clears throat> I hear people all the time and in, in the church world, they'll talk about a pastor that has a huge church. And what I hear is they'll go, oh, they're a great leader. They're a great leader. They're a great leader. And there's been three or four times that within a year or two, I hear a horror story about their leadership and what they did, uh, how they hurt people, uh, some situations abused people and probably should be in jail. Um, reality is this, a, a great leader is a person, number one, they yield to the will of God. Number two, they yield to the love of God, right? So the love of God is going to compel you to be a great forgiver. If you're not a great forgiver, you'll never be a great leader. And that's just the reality of it. And so I'm at the point now, you know, I heard a guy years, 20, 30 years ago when I was first starting in ministry. And he said, you know, he goes, I, I kept my mouth quiet till I hit like, I think he says like 45. He said, after 20 years in ministry, I felt like I had enough weight behind me. I could start calling people out on their baloney. And, and so that's one of the things. If I hear another person say someone's a great leader because they have a big organization, I don't care. Um, leadership will build an organization, but forgiveness builds people. Love builds people. And if you have an organization where people don't feel loved or they're afraid of you, you've, you've, you've really missed the mark. And you're, you're not leading, you're just not leading the correct way. I don't, I don't want to you know, add too much to it, but it's, just leave, if you can love people and, and it's forgiveness is the thing is can you Matt, well Mac Hammond said it this way Mac Hammond has a great church up in in Brooklyn Park Minnesota and one of the first times I ever heard him speak and he, he's interesting he was a he went to the Citadel then he was a fighter pilot in Vietnam got out started an air freight business merged that with the cargo a ground cargo company sold that company started his church and he said the reason his church grew and his contemporaries didn't was because he knew more about leadership. But the key to his leadership is I asked some of his guys, I had friends that worked for him. I said, does he sit down and coach you through how to lead and build? He goes, no, no, he just, I thought that's interesting. But what I heard him say was this, Max said, your number one responsibility is to agape love the people that you lead. And I thought about that and I thought, well, I thought our main responsibility was to train them to be great preachers or train them to be good servants in the body of Christ. And he said, no, it's, do you love the people that you lead? Your number one responsibility. Um, so if, if you could take that then and, and apply that into all the people I have influence, all the relationships I have to manage properly, number one motive is agape for for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, you know, <clears throat> I guess we could talk an hour or three about how that would play out in relationships. We don't have that yeah. kind of time. But uh, I, I think that, you know, everything we've, we've spoken about, it comes down to love God with all your heart, soul, your being, all of your mind, and then love your neighbor, agape your neighbor, 
right? As you agape mm-hmm. yourself. And I think if you do that, if you if you drill down on what love means, 1 Corinthians 13, <clears throat> then you begin to look through the other books of the New Testament. There's always, in every, every book of the New Testament, there's always an element of the fruit of the Spirit of love being, is being spoken about. And sometimes it'll just be two or three of the nine characteristics. Um, but if, if you can drill down and, and figure that out, how does that apply to my life? And I just love people. You're going to be okay. You're, you're going to learn how to walk in forgiveness. You're going to learn how to forgive people without even thinking about it. That forgiveness for a believer should be first nature, right? Dogs bark because that's what dogs do. Snakes hiss. That's what snakes do. Believers, we forgive people. We, we forgive people without even thinking about it because we make one decision. I tell people this all the time. When I was 17 years old, I made a decision to walk in the God kind of love. And then from then on, I just, I had to make one decision and it was just easy. And I never had to, maybe once or twice I've had to go back and go, okay, Lord, this is hard, but I'm going to do it. But you just have to make the decision. Now, I know some personalities, it's easier than others, but love is not an option. It's a command. And so you might as well make it something that's easy for you to do. Well, you guys, we probably could talk about this for another hour easily, but I think that's a great place to end this conversation. Love is everything. Pure love without ulterior motives, without duplicity, loving yourself, loving others. It overcomes low self-esteem. It overcomes holding things against yourself and others, and it overcomes creating a space in which you're harming your heart in a way that nothing else can. There is no amount of therapy, counseling, or talking it out that brings you to the place of freedom that choosing to intentionally forgive, overcome, and let go of these things will. You can spend years in counseling, but until you make the decision to heal from something, you will just be having the same conversations over and over again. And let me just say, this might be a really hard conversation to hear, and that's okay. When I first started walking down this path, it was not fun. I did not want to be here, uh, but I did want what was on the other side of it. And that is the only thing that kept me going. So my prayer today is that these conversations have helped you, have sparked something in you that is life altering. Well, what did you think? Did you get a nugget of wisdom in today's episode? I hope you did because that is literally what this podcast is here for. If you're ready for another episode or want to dive into show notes, discount codes, and freebies mentioned today, head to allisonsueelliott.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, I'm grateful for you, and I'm praying that the words said here today are healing in ways you didn't even know you needed. <laughs>